This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week, two stupendous human beings that I just love talking to about comic books. Paul Jaceley. Hello. And the return of Kate Scotchless. Hello, hello. Kate, you're back. I'm back, and I'm a master now. <laughs> you are a master. Do we call you like, are we supposed to call you Master Kate now? Is that what it has to be? That might be a little awkward. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's feel, that one feels yeah. weird. I just want to know what the proper terminology is. I guess we'll figure that out at some point. But think let me it's ask the question. Senpai? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Kate Senpai. Yes, that one actually <laughs> makes more sense. <laughs> well, let me ask the question I ask every single week. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Kate Senpai. <laughs> <laughs> is that the correct ordering? I don't know. I, I don't know enough. Somebody out there, please correct me. I, I don't know how to do that. But Kate, how have you been? How have comic books been? I've been good. I graduated. And so now Yay! I'm doing a summer research fellowship, which is pretty loosey-goosey and flexible, which has been fun and different and exciting. And uh, reading some comics. Who have you working for on that on that internship research project? Uh, the space folks over at NASA. I, I'm doing a NASA research fellowship through the Michigan Space Grant Consortium. That is the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's it's important <laughs> that we all do our part in the fight against Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes oh, you might not want to face him in person, and so you're like, mm-hmm. I hope there's some unmanned vehicle research out there. Right. And I'm like... There is, and it may or may not be robust in the face of unexpected environmental obstacles. <laughs> okay, anyway, what? I went to the library <laughs> and uh-huh. stocked up on some graphic novels because nice. the thing you want to do the week after finals is have a stack of graphic novels on a coffee table and just lay there and read. So right. the one I wanted to talk about in particular was... A book called Shattered Empire by Sharon Shin and Molly Knox Ostertag. And I might have pronounced Ostertag incorrectly. But it's a YA OGN from first second. And I picked it up because of the art. I already knew uh, Molly's work from some webcomics she's done and mm-hmm. seeing seeing it around online. And I really like how detailed she does the scenery. And it's very like... It's the the right amount of atmospheric that you'd want in a sci-fi or fantasy book when you're looking at like world building stuff, right? And mm-hmm. it also attracted me because it has a female main uh, main character, which is on the front and looking badass, and kind of reminds you of like a person of color, Ray from Star Wars. And so I'm like, cool, this looks cool. But somehow, violence against women is the main way that we like show baddies are bad still, which was disappointing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it's still YA because it's all off screen, so to speak. But like, mm-hmm. so you have sex slavery of children and murder and rape. Like all all the bad things happen to women in this book. This um, is for kids. This is for YA. It's for teenagers. Oh. And again, Yeesh. it's all like reference to things that happened off screen. Um, but it's the that uh, pretty pretty heavily done story at this point of the alien race invades the planet and enslaves the populace to work in the mines because they want a specific mineral that's on that planet. And now the pe- populace has a secret rebellion that is dangerous to be a part of. But your hero has to, you know, has that hero's hero's journey of like first saying no i can't be a part of the rebellion and then being like yes now that all the bad things have happened to me and every woman i know mm. now i'm part of the rebellion and i'm like well at least it's her it's motivating a a female i guess it's a slightly better but <laughs> i don't know yeah, i mean the the yeah. art is what i liked i still like the art it, it's what attracted me to it I, it's why i'm gonna finish it i will say i've had this book on my coffee table for almost a month now and I'm not done with it and it's a pretty quick read so I guess that kind of is the the gauge of how engaged I am with the story um I think I might have been a lot more into it if I was younger and if I hadn't consumed so much sci-fi that this pretty much identical plot structure like outline of the you know the race coming and setting you up in the mines and all that I hadn't read Mm -hmm. many many times at this point um so I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say to avoid the book. There's some some very big redeeming qualities, namely the art. But it's 
not what I was hoping for. Gotcha. That sounds like the first stinker that I've ever heard of from first second. So I see, um, and I wouldn't necessarily call it a stinker. <laughs> it's just okay. if you're like, oh, this looks super cool because it looks very uh, feminist chick buddy, it mm-hmm. might have a little disappointment there for you. Sure. Gotcha. Sure. Okay. Well, I mean, even still, I mean, I I feel like every first second book that I read, I enjoy in some capacity, and I would never call them bad books, Yeah, I guess. And it sounds to me like that's what you're saying. Um, I, Reiterating, the art makes this a much yeah, better yeah, than yeah. it has any right to be book. So I, I don't know mm. that it's a bad book, per se. Yeah, that's what Yeah, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, I, I like Molly Ostering. So Is that Oster- how you pronounce it? Okay. No, it's, I think it's Ostertag. I, just, I always read an extra N in there because I oh, read okay. her book... Uh, strong female protagonist right and i i mean i enjoyed that, that for the most part I yeah I, I read the collected edition of that because uh-huh. they published it through like top shelf or something oh, cool. like that um but anyways sorry i don't know me to get too off topic here because paul's also here paul <laughs> oh hey welcome to the show <laughs> how have you been how have comic books been <laughs> um i've been good uh, i've been um figuratively drowning in comic books i'm way behind on my weekly my monthly floppies yeah. um i have piles of comics stacking up all over my house. Um, I think this weekend might be my time to tackle and kind of get things organized. But nice. I still managed to find time to uh, read some stuff. Um, and the stuff I read this week I wanted to talk about, I read a lot of Superman comics. Um, nice. And it looks like we're going to be talking about Superman later on in the episode. So I'm very excited about that. Yes, sir. Um, I read uh, Superman Volume 1, The Unity Saga, colon, Phantom Earth, and Action Comics Volume 1, Invisible Mafia. These are the books that collect the uh, first six issues of Brian Michael Bendis's run on Superman in Action Comics. Gotcha. So far, um, and it's interesting to read them back to back because um, they both are very much Superman comics written by Brian Michael Bendis, and that's for good and bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you mean. Uh, the Superman book. Um, that's the one that didn't work for me. Um, that's is what I expected as uh, Brian Michael Bendis Superman book to be. It's very talky, but it's also very clunky dialogue um, for me personally. I've, that's always been my issue with Brian Michael Bendis. Um, and it's ironically enough, it's the more action packed book. There's a lot of punching. It is the stereotypical like Superman's big and strong. He's going to fight a big strong monster, and they're going to punch each other over double page spreads for an entire issue. You know what I mean? And yeah. I like that stuff, but it is very generic. Um, it's uh, art on that one is by Ivan Rice, who's like perfect for that type of glossy, slick superhero style. Oh yeah, so it's enjoyable books, but it's it's there's that wasn't much there for me. Um, on the other hand, the action volume I really really liked because it was uh, Brian Michael Bendis doing like a Clark Kent story. So in that volume, it's Clark Kent and Superman investigating a string of mysterious arsons around Metropolis. You have the journalism angle. And Brendis is very clearly channeling the Christopher Reeve movies, uh, which, you know, as an old dude who grew up watching those movies religiously, (laughs) um, that take on Clark Kent and Superman really works for me. And Bendis nails it with that stuff. So um, that volume has art. um, I think there's two issues by Patrick Gleason on pencils, one issue by Yannick Paquette, and then three issues by Ryan Sook. And man, it's a lo- lovely looking book. Like those are great artists, and every oh, yeah. every issue they do their like iconic like Superman flying pose. You know, it's just it's great. It's great stuff, especially if you like if you like the Christopher Reeve movies and take on the character. So, I guess what I'm saying is I'm going to stick with Action Comics when it comes to Brian Michael Bendis Superman. So cool, yeah. I, I mean, and big news. I mean, didn't Patrick Gleason just sign over to Marvel? Wasn't that the big thing that just happened? <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what he does there. I've always liked his artwork. It's very, um, it's slick and superhero, contemporary superhero style. But there's an, like, an edge to it. There's like a stylistic edge to it that I've always really yeah. liked. So yeah, yeah. I'm curious to see what he does there. But uh, yeah, um, the other book I read or I am reading currently that I wanted to mention on the show is uh, Berlin by Jason Lutz. This is a yeah. book that uh, Drawn and Quarterly has been publishing. Um, and Jason Lutz is a cartoonist who's been writing and drawing this book about the city of Berlin. Um, he's been doing it for about, it was 22 issues, and he started back in like the mid-90s. So it's taken him a long time <laughs> to get like 22, 23 years to tell the story. Um, and it was recently collected in a single hardcover volume by Drawn and Quarterly. I saw it at the library. It's one of those books I've always wanted to read. Um, and finally, it was easy to get my hands on it. 
literally at the library and, re- and do that. Mm-hmm. It's about 500 pages. I'm about two thirds of the way through. And there was a thing where I hit about the 20 or 30 page mark where I said, you know, what? I'm just going to break down and buy this at some point. It's that good. Um, wow. So it is a historical sort of a uh, historical fiction about Berlin from the years 1928 to about 1933, which is obviously a very interesting time. Politically, you have the Communist Party (laughs) and the National Socialist Party. There's conflicts in the street. There's riots. At the same time, it's a cultural uh, hub of Europe. You have jazz music happening. You have nightclubs, avant-garde art, uh, a drug scene that's emerging. And the story basically follows different people in those different arenas. You have characters that are part of the Communist Party. You have characters that are um, a part of the Nazi Party. Um, They're talking about the political... Uh, atmosphere at the time, you get the tension off the page uh, of that time period. Obviously, we know how history goes, but it's interesting to see it on the basically a uh, firsthand person's perspective of what it was like in Berlin at the time. And uh, yeah, Lutz's artwork is fantastic. There's some beautiful, beautiful cartooning in this book. I can't recommend it enough. I can't really put it into words. It's one of those books you really have to pick up and see and kind of absorb as you read it. So it's a mm-hmm. big commitment. Like I said, it's 500 pages, but boy, it's it well worth it. So you're, you're I, really selling it. it so <laughs> it's a classic. Yeah. It's a classic. Yeah. So I would, if you find it at the library, I, I guarantee you'll enjoy it. We share That's a awesome. library system. So this works out well for me. <laughs> exactly. I will let you know when I return it. How about Perfect. that? Perfect. Give you a heads up. <laughs> Well, for me this week, I sat down and I've been reading all sorts of weird stuff for various podcasting things, and I feel weird talking about them. So the only book that I read that wasn't related to a podcast recently was Snap Flash Hustle. So I haven't had a lot of time to actually enjoy reading comic books, um, which is strange. Uh, But Not to say that I don't enjoy reading comic books for the show and for other stuff, because I was just recently on... This new this show called Page Turners Podcast. So if you get a chance, that'll be out soon. I don't know when it actually comes out. I will get more info about that. But uh, I read I read the Dark Phoenix Saga, like the first four issues of that, and talked to the guys over on that show about it, which was interesting because I hadn't read that book in probably ten years. So picking it up and going, oh boy, this is what I started reading comics with is it's a totally different thing. Um, but anyways, the book that I do want to talk about is Snap Flash Hustle, numbers one through three. We had Emily and Pat on the show. They're the creators, Pat Shand and Emily Pearson. Um, and the story is, what if a series of spicy Instagram models were also the front for a drug cartel? Like, what if they were the, they would go to photo shoots in hotels and make exchanges with quote-unquote photographers, um, and then they would actually release pictures. So they would, they use this, like, coded message on Instagram to say, hey, we're doing a shoot and blah, 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 and then drug dealers meet with photographers and they exchange and they release photos. It's a really interesting concept, and Emily's art works really well because she draws very beautiful people. And so the whole book being about, a, you know, models on the internet is really cool, um, this book, it feels kind of cheesecakey in a couple of bits, but on the whole, the book is, I think, really respectful um, of that world of Instagram modeling and like what these people are doing because they're just taking photos for people to enjoy. And there's a whole bit about, you know, join my Patreon, join my Snapchat, blah, 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 um, for quote unquote spicier content. And I was, I don't know, I was hooked on the premise when Emily and Pat were on the show, but as I got into the book, like, Holy shit, Pat's writing is top-notch in this book. It's very wordy, but it never feels tiresome to read through page after page of this series. And Emily's work, like, I cannot express how much I love her art in this book. Uh, everything is, like, very brush-strokey and soft colors and very, like, pastel color-wise. And I don't know, I'm, I'm really sucked into it. It's This is from Black Mask Studios. It's four issues long. The fourth issue is coming out soon. And reading through the, the one th- issues one through three just in a sitting was honestly like a super awesome treat um, because, I, I don't know, I got really sucked into the book. And it's, it's just a really fun read. It's, there's a lot of drama and action and interesting takes on people's lives. Because this is a story about, quote-unquote, real people in, in a strange situation, you know, selling drugs and being an Instagram model, I guess, but uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on, and I was I was really impressed with the book so far. So I'm I'm excited for the last issue. Sounds interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm probably not doing it justice in my explanation, but I it's it's honestly a fucking gorgeous book. Like, 
I don't know what Emily is doing with her art in this book because it's very different than the than the Wilds, like the book she did with um, Vida Ayala. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like I think it's like the diff- a different pen type or something. But man, it just I love. Uh, there's a lot of intricacies, and she does tattoos so well on people. I just I'm blown away. Yeah. I cannot express how great her art looks. Yeah, I'm looking at some of it right now. Of course, you know, every mm-hmm. time you talk about a book, I immediately just jump over and start, you know, looking at it in comicsology to kind of yeah. get a sense of it. And uh, yeah, there's like a, a sort of watercolor esque aspect to some of the coloring. There's mm-hmm. a good painterly sort of aspect to it. Yeah, it looks really nice. I'll have to check this out. Yeah, you yeah, sold, it's pretty fun. Sold me again, rapping. Yes. Got him. Uh, so, <laughs> anyways, let's uh, let's talk about comics that are coming out this upcoming week. Comic books are dropping on May fifteenth, two thousand nineteen. What are you guys excited for this week? Let's start with you, Paul. Um, it's probably no surprise. Uh, I'm excited for the Immortal Hulk number seventeen um, by Pick Al Ewing. Something else, man. I, Come I, on. Trust me, Mike. Every time <laughs> I'm on the show, I look through what's coming out. I want to find something new. I want to find a number one. I want to find uh-huh. something to highlight. But this is a small week for me. And if I see the Immortal Hulk on there, I'm going to have to pick it. It is my favorite comic book going right now. Um, Understandably so. Yeah. If you haven't read it yet, if you haven't heard me talk about it, it's Al Ewing, Al Ewing writing it. Uh, Joe Bennett does the pencils on this issue and for most of the issues. Um, it's it's weird. The Hulk, as I've, I think I've talked about before, the Hulk is a character I've always liked, but I've always found incredibly one note. There's really not a whole lot you can do with him. Uh, unless you're Al Ewing. Al Ewing invent, came up with a whole new take on the Hulk, which doesn't feel radically different, yet is, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it as, still is as true been, to the character. Yeah, but it, but it's different enough to be interesting. Yeah, as I've been reading it, I have I feel like of all the Hulk books that I've read, because I've, I've read a handful of Hulk books in the mm-hmm. past, like, tried to read a lot of Peter David's stuff that he did, and um, a couple of other writers, and I don't feel like anything that Al Ewing is doing is out of the box of the Hulk. Like, it doesn't feel like he's introducing some radical new thing, but yet it is very different. It is a completely different take on the Hulk, and there was there was one issue in particular where I lost my goddamn mind at the end of it. I think it was issue eight or nine or something, <laughs> um, you know, the cover that has the Hulk in a million pieces, yeah. that issue blew me away. And I'm like, holy shit, Al Ewing can do this for the rest of his life. I don't care. I will read it forever. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm on I'm on the same page as you, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think anyone that's uh, I've talked to that's picked up the book has had the same reaction. It's one of those books that's kind of universally been praised. Um, and uh, thankfully, it hasn't been crossed over with any other Marvel titles yet. You know, kind of standing on its own. I think it's the only Marvel book I'm reading right now. Um and I can enjoy it on its own. Um, it hasn't been renumbered yet or relaunched yet. It made 17 issues, which feels like an accomplishment <laughs> from Marvel. <laughs> but um, but I but I think that works because I feel like it is a thing where when the book started, it very clearly was, here's the Hulk as a horror book. And it's gone way beyond that. Like it's gotten so far beyond the initial like three issue premise that it's like what? they're just letting Ewing go nuts and run wild with it. And it consistently works. Yeah, I... I praised it enough. Uh, obviously, it's one of my favorite books going, so of course I'm going to pick it this week. And if you haven't checked it out yet, again, it gets my seal of approval and Mike's, so I guess that means something to some people. Yeah, <laughs> means a lot to me. I'm, okay. I okay. want to pick it up now. Yeah, it's. I, I feel like if you've never read a Hulk book, this is going to be the best Hulk... Uh, sorry, that's a, that's a dumb way to say that. Uh, <laughs> if you've never read a Hulk book before, you're never going to want to read another one because this is... Like, honestly, one of the best. And, like, I love Planet Hulk. I love yeah. World War Hulk. I loved, you know, like, some stuff that Peter David did. I, I I think that there's a lot of really interesting Hulk stories out there. I think the Amadeus Cho stuff is really good. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. holy cow, like, there is this weird thing about Immortal Hulk that makes me feel like, oh, this is an, quote-unquote, old-school book. It feels like a book that you'd pick up, like, at a in, like, a bargain bin that's, like, a hidden gem. And yet it is Marvel's running hulk book yeah it's it's it's, it's very interesting because a book like this it feels like would never normally survive but maybe the comic book like people who are reading are into comics they think the, their minds have changed like I, i'm very surprised this book has survived i'm also very happy that it has survived i mean i'm sure i'm speaking out of my ass i'm sure it's fucking well like worldly acclaimed mm-hmm. i'm just not paying attention because i don't read anything about comic books guys um <laughs> but still like it's it's such a like surprising fresh take on yeah, the Hulk. It does. I mean, I've read enough of, you know, 70s Marvel stuff, like weird, obscure, like horror stuff, you know, that they did. Yeah. It, channeling that stuff. And I think it's so 
out of step with what I at least I expect from a mainstream Marvel book. That's that's why it works for me. And on totally. top of that, it's a great story. It's so engaging. It's still mysterious. Seventeen issues in, there's still like a deeper mystery about Bruce Banner's dad, which I feel like they they keep hinting at. I'm not quite sure what's going on there. You know, it's like it's such okay. a rich, rich book. That's it's, it's fantastic. Well, do your history lesson, Paul. You should you should go read some back issues to find that's out right. what that's all about. But exactly. anyways, we've talked enough about Immortal Hulk on this show. Never again. We're never bringing it up again. <laughs> Kate, what about you? What are you excited for this week? Let's talk a bunch about your book. So this week, I'm excited about Genderqueer, a memoir by Maya Kobe. Nope. Yeah. Kebab? Is it Kebab? That can't be right. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay, listeners, it's K-O-B-A-B-E. I don't know. That's this is what this show is all about: mispronouncing creator names. Yeah, this yeah. person wrote and drew the memoir, which is always impressive to me. Um, but it's a book, a memoir by someone who uses E M air pronouns and is using the comic memoir to talk about um, the statistics of gender queerness and their own journey with it and Mm -hmm. it looks so cool that i paused our recording so that i could switch my book to talk about this (laughs) one instead of the comic that i was originally going to talk about being excited by so this looks extremely cool i also do like that it is a contained graph like ogn which Mm -hmm. at this point in my reading is much easier for me than picking up singles um, just because I have lack of time. And so I really like, you know, going to the shop and getting the whole story in one one chunk so that I don't have to worry about going there in a month or if I can keep financially swinging this for a year or something to get a full story, you know? So. Oh, totally. Yeah. So that I, I like that it, it talks, it's talking about um, in the description, at least on Amazon, about um, going into a lot of the issues that I think I dealt with as a teenager, not necessarily, um, I'm not genderqueer, but uh, coming into an LGBT identity kind of thing, and where you found your people originally, like online, and um, trying to figure out what it means for you in particular, and how it's going to change your family, and how they'll respond, and dealing with uh, society not always being great at times towards people, Um, and so it looks very... It looks like a very good read. It looks like it could be a good read for all sorts of people, whether you can relate or maybe you just want to know more. And I think that's like the perfect kind of these books. So are you going to pick it up too, Mike, it sounds like? I was going to say, I remember seeing this announced. I didn't know exactly what it was about, but I'm always into reading books like this. I mean, I, I'm a sucker. Like at this point, I think in the last two months, I've bought like six OGNs like this. Right. Like because they look so fucking good and I'm I'm here for that stuff. 100%. Mm-hmm. Like I just picked one up on Wednesday called Laura Dean is constantly breaking up with me. <laughs> and it's like, I read the first like I, I like 40 pages of it and it's amazing. Um, I highly recommend that. It's Mariko Tamaki and I, I can't remember what the artist's name is, but uh, it's, it's very good. But like this kind of stuff, I totally get sucked into and I love reading explorations about this because i think it's i'm gonna get a little philosophical here but i think it's like my duty as a person who exists in the universe to like educate myself so Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. i i don't want to just sit down with someone who you know identifies differently than i do and just start like poking them and prodding them with questions it's like if i can read something like this and get a better understanding of people who use different pronouns like that's great rather than just me, like I said, poking and prodding somebody um, or reading like a, like, I don't want to read a full book, but deliver this to me in a comic and you got me sucked For in, sure. you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that looks, it looks awesome. I'm, I'm excited for it. I'll probably probably pick this up too, Kate. But as for me, I am excited this week. It's a weird week. Because I'm pick, I'm excited for not an X Men book, what? But a bat, but a Batman book. What? It's happening. It's this happening. This is Tom King and Michael Janin's. Batman, this is Batman seventy one. Nick just it's fainted. He just. I, I know. I, <laughs> I, I think it's it's really interesting. I have been super digging the Batman nightmares bit that they've been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I hated it at first. Let me be completely honest. I hated it at first. That was like Tom King. This feels lazy. And then I read issue seventy or issue sixty nine. I can't remember. And holy smokes, it all it all came together. <laughs> and I, I was seriously, deeply impressed 
with what King did overall. Um, while I didn't necessarily love all the stories, I feel like the overall, overall idea was really good. Mm-hmm. And the reveal in issue 70 that it's going to be Batman versus Bat-Dad, maybe. Um, <laughs> and there's a cover with tigers. Are they fighting evil tigers? I don't know. I, I, I've been reading this Batman series since it came out, and I have been, on the whole, enjoying it. And... I, Michael Janin's art will always forever be fantastic and perfect, so I'm he, I'm here for it. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know if if Tom King leaves this series. You know, I'm sure that he's going to be done at issue 100 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, once he's done, I don't know if I'll keep reading Batman, but for now, I'm here for it. And Batman 71 looks exciting for me this week. I, I almost picked it myself, Mike, because I just read issue 69 and 70 uh, yeah. recently, and um, yeah, I'm in the same boat. The nightmare stuff didn't quite work for me, but once you get the once you find out what it is, I think issue 69, they kind of reveal exactly what's going on. Um, it made a lot more sense. And um, yeah, it's it's weird. I think I'm on board for Tom King's Batman run, even though it's, I've been back and forth with a lot of it. But I think for me, the biggest thing's always been he has amazing artists to work with. So even if it's an oh issue yeah. that don't work for me, you're going to have a Batman comic drawn by Michael Jannon, or uh, you're going to have a Batman comic drawn by uh, Lee Weeks. You know, I'm never going to turn those down. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, who and who did the art on that issue? Oh man, it's 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 credited as Yannick Paquette. Maybe uh-huh. it's not. There there was an issue that I posted like little screenshots on Twitter about, mm-hmm. and I don't remember who the artist was for that. But holy shit, I I think we found like a new artist who's got like a David Aha esque miniature minimalist, very expressive style and i just want to see more of that guy's art that was i'm 90 sure that was lee weeks right was that the issue where it was someone else that i had never heard of before Um, i'm finding this i'm gonna look this up sorry this is great radio i know but um holy smokes guys it was it's seriously that impressive um that i need to look this up right now uh i'm i just like he because he did like half the page or half of the book with Michael Jane in that issue. And of course, DC's right. website credits it all wrong because I, I you know, whatever. We're just going to. Yeah, uh, uh, Jorge Fornes. That's right. his name. Right, right. And he's done a bunch of stuff. And oh my good gracious God in heaven. Like he did these little portraits of the Penguin and the Riddler and uh, Mr. Freeze and the Joker. And I just want that forever. I just want that guy on Batman forever. It's perfect, and I think that's that was from issue um, sixty six. I'm sorry, I totally misspoke. Issue sixty six. If you go and read one issue of Batman right now, go check out <laughs> Batman sixty six. That's like the weirdest recommendation because the story probably won't make a lot of sense, but the art is worth it for every page. I I promise you that. Like, there's a there's this wide shot of Catwoman and Batman, and oh, Lordy guys, I, I'm. <laughs> Paul has converted me. Paul and Nick have got me into Batman. I don't know what happened. Oh, um, fuck yeah. X-Men. I'm all Batman. <laughs> it finally happened. We did it. That's the end of the show. That's the season finale. That's it. For our show this week, we are talking about comic books that have been sitting on our shelves or in our digital backlog for a really long time and why we haven't read them. And in specific, all three of us, Paul, Kate, and myself, we all picked up one of those books. We read them. We're going to talk about them real quick. And then we're going to talk about why we let those books sit for so long and why that's such a problem for comic book readers like us who are big collectors and yet we don't read everything that we buy. So let's just get right into this thing. Paul, Kate, what did you guys read? I guess we'll, we'll just start with you, Kate. What did you read from your backlog? So I originally went to my backlog all excited for, I have a bookshelf that stares at me constantly of graphic novels, including yeah. series I love, but that I haven't read in forever, but keep picking up the volumes of. And I'm like, this is the perfect topic to hit this. I'm going to read some Descender. I'm going to read some Wikdiv. Mm-hmm. And then I remembered why I haven't picked those up in forever. And it's because you definitely would, if you if you leave them for too long, you have to reread the series to have any clue what's going on anymore. Like, I've read four volumes of Wikdiv. If I was to pick up volume five right now, which is on my bookshelf, mm-hmm. I'd be so lost. Oh, yeah. So, and like Descender, I would need to reread some. And like, uh, I think I'm uh, at least two trades behind and revival and i need to read at least the most recent one that i had read 
And so that is answer number one for why things end up sitting for so long is because I it's not just reading that trade, it's reading the trades that came before it to remember what's going on. Right. Mm-hmm. I ended up picking up Sex Criminals Volume 4, 4G, which is a great title, um, <laughs> because, and this is key, it has one of those recaps in the front, which is very right. helpful, and it's like the story well, so far. And isn't that because, I think that was because they took like a year break. They sure did. (laughs) They were like, we're not going to put this out for like 10 months. And then you still had to wait a long time after that if you were a trade waiter for the series like I was. Most of my image books I read in trade. Um, Because they they get me with those $10 first. Like I am the exact Mm -hmm. person. Like when their marketing team's up there going like, this strategy's working. Like, yeah, you can get me to buy a $20 trade if first you sell me a volume one for $10. Right, and your picture's on the wall, and they're like, we fucking got her, yep. guys. <laughs> yep, I am their their demo. So that is why they did that, and it is, in the t- standard uh, Chip Sidarski fashion, a very funny read, just reading the the quippy description of the story with little... I like that they intersperse like panels of the comic through it um, mm-hmm. to kind of jog your memory, but also there's so many good like one-panel jokes. I really enjoyed it. I think the big reason for why I didn't read it, so I'm not finished yet, I should say. I've really enjoyed the issues of it I've read so far. I didn't read it um, right when it came out because that was October of 2017, which was right in my very first semester of the grad school hustle. um, And I was extremely busy. But volume three also, like I enjoyed it, but it didn't blow me away with, oh my God, I, I can't wait to dive in this second to volume four. Even if it had, volume four didn't come out for quite a while after that. So I had kind of forgotten how much fun it was. The, um, so between that and just being very busy, I was still reading, you know, some comics here and there, but wasn't grabbing this one when, as I'm sure we'll get into, I have like a pathologically like large horde of comics that I haven't read at this point, especially digital. It's so easy for those to pile up because you're not even aware of how much spit, like physically you're like, oh my God, they're staring at me on my shelf constantly. What what am I doing? Mm -hmm. But digitally, oh man, can't miss a sale. And yeah, we'll get we'll get into some of that. I, I also want to know what what Paul got into because I, sure. I have a book as well. But yeah, Paul, what what did, what about you? What was the book that you picked up off your shelf? So this isn't the oldest book on my to read list, uh, or the one I've been sitting on the most. But it's the one I've been um, I feel the most guilty about not having read yet. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, the Dragon Slayer Folk Tales from Latin America. It's a book that Jaime Hernandez put out last year. He officially announced it last uh, Emerald City Comic Con, and I was there at the panel when he yeah. announced it. I was very excited about it. It's basically uh, Jaime Hernandez, the cartoonist from Love and Rockets, doing illustrated versions of Mexican and Latin American folk tales. And uh, I was so excited when he announced it. I bought it as soon as it came out last year, put it on my bookshelf, and didn't touch it until this weekend. <laughs> so I don't really have a good reason why I didn't pick it up. I, mm-hmm. It's just one of those things that you get lost in the shuffle. I'll get to it eventually. It's a very short book. You know, it's only three stories that he illustrated. Uh, it, it took me, you know, maybe 30 minutes to read it. But it was one of those things that I would see it on the shelf like, oh, yeah, I'll get to that eventually. I'll get to that eventually. And then a year later, I finally got to it. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Um, but uh, it's a great read. I'm glad I finally did it. And it was very interesting to see Hernandez do children's comics um, and in color, which is very interesting. So was, I'm, I'm glad I picked it up and I'm glad I read it. it. Just I don't have a good reason to say why it's set on my shelf. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally get that. And yeah, we'll we'll go into that in a second. I, I just, I want to go through my book because it is <laughs> the craziest thing. So there is a collected edition of Alan Moore and Kurt Swan's Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, a Superman story. And this book originally came out in 1986. It was collected in 1997 and then collected again in 2010 with two other single issues. Um, one of the stories by Dave Gibbons. And yeah, it's... This is a book that's been sitting on my shelf for probably eight years, mm-hmm. um, and I know that because I distinctly remember picking it up from Tardy's Comics over in Grand Rapids when I was still living in Michigan. And at the time, I think I was just kind of picking up books by names that I recognized. I was like, oh, look, an Alan Moore Superman store. I didn't even know that was a thing. And I feel like Kirby <laughs> at 
at Tardy's. Um, I think he was like, oh, that's a, that's a really good one. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, cool. And I picked it up as part of my massive stack of comics that I never should have bought and did, couldn't really afford. And it just sat on my shelf. And I did a whole purge of graphic novels and stuff. And I think I, I remember... I think I remember being like, well, I'm not going to get rid of stuff I haven't read. So this was one of those books. And then it continued to sit on my shelf for another four years after I moved. And so when we were talking about doing this topic, I was like, oh, I'm going to read like Midas Flesh because I've had that for like three years and Mm -hmm. that looks really good and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I didn't actually pick that up. Kelly picked that up. It's just on the comic book shelf. And then I looked over across the night. I saw this little thin trade and I was like, oh, shit, I've had this for forever. (laughs) And boy, oh, boy, this was such a crazy book. Like, I didn't know any of the history going into it. And to hear that you know, in the 80s, 1986, when this book was originally published, it collects two issues of Superman 423 and Action Comics 583. So, this is at a time when Alan Moore is at the peak of writing at DC, right? He's, I think he just put out Watchmen. Um, Frank Miller's Batman is a big thing. And the, the opening of this collected edition that I have has a really interesting um, story about, like, how Alan Moore got picked to do this book uh, because he was... He wanted to tell the story about the end of Superman because this story, um, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow, is all about the end of Superman. Like, Infinite Crisis was about to happen and so they were like, well, we need to tell these last two stories because a new era of Superman is going to start. They're going to bring in some other creative team. Um, I think John Byrne was going to be on it and... They were like, we have to wrap up Superman in these last two issues of Man of, of, of Action Comics and Superman because John Byrne is going to write Man of Steel, which is the beginning of this next era of Superman. And so apparently they tried to reach out to uh, Joel Schuster or Jerry Siegel, one of those two guys who was still alive, still writing comic books to write these two issues, and he wanted to do it, but there was some legal issue where mm-hmm. he couldn't write it. So Alan Moore heard about it and was like, I'm going to do this. And he tells these two stories that are just fucking bizarre. <laughs> and it, it's it's weird. Like, it, the two stories are connected together between Superman and Action Comics, and they're interviews with Lois Lane 10 years after Superman has died. And from there, I, I mean, I, we can go into it or whatever, but it oh, was... we it should was, get into it, because I love this story. It's so <laughs> well, it's, good. The, the overall sum up is the world is suddenly, like switched over and things have started to kick into super high gear. Superman shows up to Metropolis and Bizarro is going extra violent and killing people because he wants to be the exact opposite of Superman. So he opens up this blue thing and kills himself. It's like a blue kryptonite and kills himself. Um, And then we see that Brainiac has taken over Lex Luthor's body and he's like, I'm going to kill Superman. I'm going to go to the Fortress of Solitude and destroy him. And then the legion of supervillains from the 30th century show up and they're like, hey, we heard that you're going to win this fight, Brainiac slash Lex Luthor. We're going to help you. And Holy, I mean, there's so much stuff. I don't know enough about Superman to really be super into it. Mm -hmm. But as someone who has at least like a, a... general understanding of superman's villains they touched on every base and the the story on the whole was really cool but i also felt like it wasn't as meaningful to me as it probably would be to like hardcore superman fans so mm-hmm. um i don't know paul do you want to like touch on this briefly because there's also two other issues like there's a superman annual and then there's an issue of swamp thing ooh, that's ooh, in here my... and the swamp thing issue is dope but yeah Dude. sorry go ahead go ahead anyway yeah let me just preface this by saying um, I wrote about it in the first issue of the IRCB zine, if you want to read my full thoughts. But mm-hmm. the is story with uh, Swamp Thing from DC Comics Presents, it's right. a Superman's Swamp Thing team-up, is literally my favorite Superman story. I had to copy why. that as a kid, and I read it till the cover came off. I love that story. Anyway, it's interesting because, you know, Alan Moore, you said this is right after uh, Watchmen. I think he's working on Swamp Thing at this point. Mm-hmm. Um or I just left. I can't remember. Um, but he, you know, is known for introducing Watchmen and this gritty take on superheroes. But this Superman story, he's telling the last Silver Age Superman story before Crisis on Infinite Earths, erases that history, um, you know, canonically. He goes, doubles down and says, I'm going to tell the most Silver Age Superman story. So he includes all yeah. the, the zany villains. Mr. Mitz says Pitalek shows up, Brainiac shows up, you know, all that stuff you mentioned. And then... Um, Oh, the part where crypto gets sick? Oh, had me in tears. Oh, yeah, anyway. I've never been like <laughs> that sad about an animal in a comic before. Right. Um, wow. But, but what's great is that he, 
you know, Moore loves Silver Age Superman so much that the whole book is about saying Superman is the most pure, good person or human there is. Mm-hmm. And the everything that... He, all the villains that show up are the exact opposite of that. And there's that great panel where, like, Superman says, like, I cannot kill. That's the only solution to this problem is to kill Brainiac. I can't remember exactly what the, the point of that, at that point yeah. in the story was happening. But he says, that's the one thing Superman cannot do is cannot kill. And it's like, more recognizes the purity of that character, and he loves that. Um, it's just an interesting contrast between that and, like, what he's known for with Watchmen and the gritty take on superheroes. I think it's a great Superman story, but it is very rewarding if you know the deep history of the Silver Age totally. Superman stories. Yeah. Totally. And it, I think just to, one final point here, I do think to what you said about Alan Moore for what he's known for, this is probably one of the most wholesome Superman stories, right? It's yeah. like one of mm-hmm. the most wholesome stories I've ever th- read from Alan Moore, I think. I mean, I haven't read his Swamp Thing. I don't know if that has some wholesome bits to it, but this, to me, it didn't feel like Alan Moore trying to take a gritty take on Superman. I think he was truly telling a story of absolute love for the character, and I think it also helps that he was working with Kurt Swan, who is a very iconic Superman artist. This is his last two issues that he ever did on Superman, and so it's, on the whole... I understand why people love this story now. I've having finally read it after eight years sitting on my shelf, <laughs> which brings us back to the question of right. why did this sit on my shelf for eight years? So I don't want to keep talking about my book. So Kate, let's actually come back to you. You started to talk about this to say, you know, you get these books and sometimes they're hard to follow. But on the whole, why do you think that we as comic book readers will buy stuff and just let it sit, especially when it comes to like digital or maybe just a collection of trades and stuff like that? Sure. So at least for me personally, a lot of it has to do with the volume of content out there and especially with how easy it is to pick up large volumes of it uh, digitally in sales or in Humble Bundles, these things that have the pressure of a time limit on when you can pick them up at the special pricing and that feeling that, oh, if I don't get this now, I'm missing out. And so you end up, at least for me, stocking up on, I have at least over 100 digital trades that I have not read at this point. And I'm not <laughs> <Yeah>. proud of this. <laughs> but like, and, and some of those aren't books that I had much, because of hum- Humble Bundle, you get books that you probably will never read. And that's okay, because you got that deal specifically for some other stuff in the bundle. But mm-hmm. a lot of them are books that I really did want to read, still want to read, and they are just out there haunting me. <laughs> Um, I mean, and sometimes you get pressured by Nick White to go out and buy some comics (laughs) that you don't mm -hmm. really want. Sometimes. And uh, he's like, you have to read this. And I don't really want Terminator, but now I have a bunch of Terminator and Robocop comics. Yeah. Sometimes you (laughs) specifically don't pull up Hundle Bundle because that's your way of like not going to the drug dealer. And then he shows up with the drug dealer at your house and is like, knock, knock. Here's a link to this Humble Bundle you'd like. And I'm like, son of a bitch (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't i don't know i i I, paul what what about you what do you think about this i mean in in general yeah i mean i'm in the same boat i've i didn't even consider reading something digital just because you know wading into my comicsology account would be wading through uh you know hundreds and hundreds of titles and Mm -hmm. issues i've 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 bought and at sales i basically stopped doing that my problem now is i run into using the hoopla app Mm -hmm. where just everything's free and Mm -hmm. i've I've read a ton of stuff on there. I've read a ton of like crappy, terrible comics on there just because it's so convenient. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I am a notorious hoarder who digs through dollar and you know fifty cent bins at the local comic shop. So I have like a long box full of random dollar and fifty cent issues I've picked up and I've never touched. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. The, I think what's interesting is that I'm more finding myself more and more reading. Digital stuff because of that convenience. Whereas I would have to go pull out the box, flip through it, make sure I have you know a complete run or something to read. There's so many hoops to jump through to get to that point for me now mm-hmm. in my backlog. That's why this stuff is set around for so long. So to avoid the hoops, you jump on Hoopla. Exactly. Thanks. <laughs> that, All right. That, Thanks for listening to our <laughs> comic book this week. <laughs> we did it. We got um, there. <laughs> uh, they can use that slogan, right? We, we don't mind if they uh, they use that. Yeah, they're going to cut me a royalty check, okay, I think. Cool. Um, you guys will eventually get a piece of that. I'll figure <laughs> that out. Don't worry. Yes. Um, but you know, to that point, what's actually really funny is that on free comic book day, I went down to my local shop, Tardy's, uh, here in Grand Rapids, right down the street from me. 
they had a bunch of comics out on the street, like a sidewalk sale for 50 cents. Of course, that's the first place I went, right? That was, it was like, you know, uh, magnetized me, drew me right to it. Right. Flipping through it, I found the five issue uh, Daredevil, um, The Man Without Fear. Uh, miniseries that Frank Miller and John Romita Jr. did back in the 90s. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, I don't have that. 50 cents a piece, all five issues, boom. This morning, I was going through my Comixology account. Guess what I had bought a few years ago yep. on a Comixology <laughs> sale? Yep. I've, I've For probably a dollar a piece, you know? Yep. So, yep. oops. Yeah. Yeah, but at this point, then you've got the issues, and if you ever need to go back and you want, like, high-res copies, you've at least got the Comixology access, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. There is something to that where I find myself now really making sure I download the free digital copy of any new books I make, I buy, yeah. just to have that backup. But again, it's like, same on top of the, the to-read list, my backlog of stuff that I've bought and read and is just sitting in a box now, am I ever going to reread that stuff? I tell myself maybe, yeah, but I know same. I'm not going to. Yeah, yeah. The lies we all tell to ourselves. Well, that's not true. I <laughs> yeah. have reread certain books a lot because they're the, they are the books that I have to reread to read the next book in the series. And so, like <laughs> yeah. my Wicked yeah. Volume One has been read at least three times. Yeah, <laughs> but do you think that um, there's something about that comfort of going back to reread something that draws you to it, as opposed to uh, if you buy something sight unseen or on a whim? they're maybe less inclined to read it right away. You know, like, Mike, so your Superman book that you bought, you're not a big Superman fan. Was that mm-hmm. one of the reasons why you kind of put it off? It's like, well, I'm not... I'd rather read something I know I'm going to enjoy, something comfortable, rather than something brand new. That's exactly it. I okay. think, like I said, I, I kind of picked this book up knowing, oh, look, it's it's Alan Moore, it's Superman. That seems like a weird combo. I'll get to that eventually. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, got through my stack of comics and was like, oh, I'm just going to put this on the shelf. And I don't do that as often now, because right. I think I'm a little bit more informed. So I, I know that when I'm picking up something, usually I have like at least some rough background knowledge on it. Um, and so I'm like, oh, I'm actually excited to read it. So like I'm not picking up stuff like on a whim um, anymore. But mm-hmm. it, but still, to that to that point, like I'll pick up single issues or do exactly what Kate said. I'll grab like a humble bundle for four of the 20 books and then never read the other 16 or never even really read the four that I bought <laughs> in the first place, you know? Right. Um, but it's it's interesting because I think it's it's something that probably more I guess I don't want to say experience, but more like hardcore comic book readers do where you're like, I need to get the most out of my money. So if I can right. spend twenty dollars on Humble Bundle to get, you know, a hundred issues of comics, I'm gonna do it even if I only need like the seven or ten books out of that hundred, um, because I want to read the last four volumes of Transformers more than meets the eye. But I have already read volumes one through six or something. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I'm I'm just thinking of recent humble bundles that I purchased <laughs> that I didn't need to, um, but yeah, because because in all honesty, I already owned all those more than meets the eye copies, but I wanted PDFs of them sure, uh, sure. because again, it's 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 the weird thing. Like humble bundle works because you're getting like PDFs of these comics; they're yours to keep forever. Mm-hmm. Versus Comicsology, on the whole, is just access to those books. Right? Hoopla right. is just access to those books. Mm-hmm. Um, similar with Marvel Unlimited, but Marvel Unlimited's thing is totally wild because they're like hey you can have access to every book that we've ever made forever (laughs) as long as it hasn't come out in the last six months but i mean i'm not here to necessarily just talk about the digital stuff but i think the reason why we let that stuff sit is because yeah there is like a calming thing like you buy these things you're like all right now i've got enough comics to get by as if we're ever gonna run out and (laughs) i need to be ready when that EMP hits mm-hmm. that destroys all of technology, I'm going to be real happy about all those digital books that I bought. <laughs> um, but still, it's it's interesting because I think it's, like I said, it's comforting like to know that you've got, you didn't just get like a single book, you got a bunch of books for a good discount. Or when you go and buy these trades that just sit on your, your shelf, usually you bought them for a reason because you were really excited at the moment, but... You know, as that thing sits there, you're kind of like, well, maybe why did I buy that? And yeah. I, that's what I was thinking about this Superman book. I, I've always sat on it and been like, why did I end up actually buying that? Um, and now, now I've read it. Now I have this piece of history. But I think the person I am now versus the person I was when I bought it, mm-hmm. um, like I wanted to read it because I think it's interesting to read that history now. I understand. I know people that are super into that stuff. And I want to know more about what makes them excited about Superman. And to read a story like this, I can go, oh, I, I kind of get that. Those are really good stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and to read the story that you wrote about 
Paul, I, I realized that when you said that, I put those two things in my head together. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, yeah, that book, that story is really good. Um, but now, I, like, I understand where you're coming from because I've actually read that. Whereas yeah. eight years ago, I was just like, hey, look, it's Alan Moore on Superman, um, because I, I was just a little dork. But um, not to say there's anything wrong with that because you, you should be excited about comics like that, folks. But um, to me, I was, I don't know, just blindly buying things like. I don't know. Well, Anyways, yeah. enough about yeah. me, Kate. <laughs> what else? What else about your backlog that you have? Like, what are some digital backlog books that you have that you're like, holy shit? Why did I get that? Um, the ones that really baffle me when I look back at like what's on my computer, I can almost always trace back to Humble Bundle. There are some mm-hmm. that I can trace back to being peer pressured into buying. Like, I don't particularly <laughs> like reading Spider-Man books, but here I am with a Spider-Man trade. Why is that? Because my friend Mike Rappin convinced me and it was only $1.50 back when <laughs> wait, we wait, had wait. those. Which, which one is this? <laughs> oh, I'd have to pull it up. I think it's one of the Marvel Knights Spider-Man. But it was back oh, when... Uh, uh, Kate! Okay, all right. Yeah, mind. that I'm not was the noise you made it. and you convinced yeah. me, but I just haven't read it yet. Yeah, um, I get you. It was back when... Kindle first started having comics on it, so they gave us all those incredible sales. Oh, yeah, like $2 trades. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so you're yeah. like, it's incredible, and it's a dollar, and I'm like, oh, okay, fine. Um, so I think there's some of that, and then there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of books that I straight up really wanted to read, or was like, I really want volume one, but maybe I'll really like volume one and then I'll want the rest of the series. And so I'm going to buy all of it and then never read any of it. And <laughs> yeah, so I have like the complete run of Bacchus because I heard from someone it was good. And mm-hmm. why just try volume one when it's all on sale and you might have regret for not picking it up at that right. time. Because so, it's never going to go on sale again. Never. Right. You're never going to get it for that cheap ever again. Nope. <laughs> and I think that is a lesson that I have learned and begun to really embrace is that none of these books are going on sale only once. I don't read obscure oh, enough yeah. stuff that that's the case. I almost always, always am gonna better be off an waiting. Image sale. Yeah. yeah. Especially like I embrace that logic first with Steam sales where like, the game I want is only going to go get cheaper with time. It will mm-hmm. always go on sale again. It'll be fine. Um, and I think that that is very true of comics as well. Uh, certain publishers go on sale less frequently, but it, it'll always come back. So uh, the other thing is the longer you wait, the more likely it is that your library might pick it up or something along those lines. So... I don't know. I've, I've gotten more comfortable with waiting. Part of that is just like financially, I had more pressure on the other side of the the uh, screen to hold off yeah. because <laughs> grad school is expensive. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of where I've been at. So I have uh, impressively large, as in can't download them all to my computer, large amount of digital <laughs> trades and singles at this mm-hmm. point. And I want someone to come up with a way that I can link all of my accounts where these are all hosted in the various clouds and (laughs) then I can browse everything I have in one spot whether I got it on um, Humble Bundle or Comixology or I bought it directly through Amazon with one of their Amazon you know editions you know like some of that obviously is linked I've linked my Comixology and Amazon accounts but that would be extremely useful. And if I had started early, I could have made myself a spreadsheet. But at this point, there's just way too much for that to be realistic. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm in the same boat. But I do have a lot, a lot of physical trades as well that I, for the series that I just kind of get behind on, but I know I like, so I keep buying the the next one when it comes out. Yeah, and yeah, I get you. That's, yeah. I'm not, I'm not ever going to regret it, but man... They're staring me in the face like yeah. I'm like five issues deep on Descender or five trades deep on Descender that I haven't read. So, <gasps> Oh, it's so good. I okay. know. That's uh. why I keep buying it, Mike. <laughs> and like um, Barnes and Noble does that buy two, get one sale sometimes. And yeah. then it's yeah. like, again, it behooved me to wait because then I could buy two and get one free of this series yeah. that I know I really like. But then it just like stares at me and haunts me at 2 a.m. It's like. 
Why don't you love me? <laughs> so this is this is the when the other shoe drops on Nick's article that he wrote about finding the best deals on comics. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that that thing that was in the zine. I've always like, no, Nick. What's the what's the part two of this where the, you have this overwhelming dread in your life mm-hmm. because you got a bookshelf that is toppling over full of comics yep. because you got so many good deals at Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'm at the point where I have multiple between comics and books. I have multiple like plastic crates because I don't have oh, shelf space anymore. Yeah, and, sure. Yep. Yeah. And I'm I'm looking at moving again this fall because I start at Michigan State for the rest of my my final formation is coming. Nice. Um, it's like a Pokemon thing. It's like an evolution. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, Paul, you and I are old. We don't know Pokemon shit. Like, <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that no was idea. that was after my time. That was what little kids were doing. Um, um excuse little me, little babies like Michael, <laughs> little Mikey. Yeah, Mikey yeah. likes the Pokemons. Anyway, oh my gosh, Kate. <laughs> I was just wow. old enough at that point to be way too cool. It's a big seventh <laughs> grader or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, what are you gonna do with all your comics? You're saying when you move? I so. I have invested in a whole bunch of clear crates, and then I put the spine out um, so I can see the spines through the plastic tub. And that's like my only real solution at this point. Um, I do need to keep on reading, and when I am done with something that I don't think I'll ever read again, I have been selling them to a local indie shop that will buy buy both books and comics and actually they pay a lot more for your comics than they do for your books at least in my case um i'm gonna just ship you a whole box of comics and have you sell them for me <laughs> they don't buy floppies this is a books uh proper bookstore so. yeah 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 i get yeah. you i have enough trades that i could just send them to you just to get rid of them for me um but yeah no that's like, I, I will I think never that's turn down surprise mail packages especially full of comics so yeah you can take your pick and then sell whatever you don't want um yeah i think there's there's this i don't know to, to wrap up here because i realize we've kind of just been We've been meandering a bit. Um, <laughs> like, so if there's any kind of solution coming out of this to say, you know, we've all got a lot of old comics. What are you guys doing to try to combat that? Um, Kate, it sounds to me like you just don't want to deal with it and you're pushing the dread off and you just let your comic books talk to you at night. Um, but I mean, if, if you could say like, you know, starting tomorrow, I'm going to do X. What do you think it would do to try to like get rid of some of those backlog books. I like, can actually read them and do something actionable with them. Sure. So I actually heard on one of the Book Riot, and I don't remember which one of the Book Riot podcasts, but on one of them, uh, someone talking about their approach to this with physical books because of having an overwhelming number of them at this point and running out of... Oh, boy, yeah. And the, the, honestly, the reason it's overwhelming to me is not because of... I actually really like having a whole bunch. That's why we hoard them like a dragon. Um, right, right. The part that gets overwhelming is trying to move them between apartments and when you start running out of apartment space because you're living in a little studio or one bedroom. So that's the part that gets a little stressful. And their approach is actually something that I'm going to try and implement once once I move. And it's to have essentially separate piles. And one's a pile of the brand new hot thing on the block. And one's the your old backlog pile. And you kind of alternate between them. And I think this individual had a third one that was library books that she wanted to read. And each time she's picking up a new thing, she's going through her rotation of like which shelves she could look at. <laughs> and so if yeah, it was if sense. it was the backlog's turn, you you pick something off the backlog. Um, and I think that's a really good approach because that's a good balance. What I tend to do is like the dieter approach where you're like, I'm never going to eat a carb or a grain, a grain of sugar ever again. No more fat, no more fried, no more candy, no more joy. It's nothing but cauliflower rice from here on out. And Only read non-fictional biography comics. Right. And so the, uh. that approach is like, I'm not going to read a single thing from the library or that's new until I've gotten through my entire backlog. And that never works. And so... Like part of which is because I really enjoy going and browsing the library. It's a a <laughs> place you can go and you can walk out with a bunch of books that you aren't yours and they don't call yeah. the cops. That's a good time. <laughs> like that is a really good time and I don't want to give that up. And I see. so um I think the that that solution that this individual came up with and it, it kills me that I can't remember her name because they should get credit. Um but that solution is a good balance. So that's like saying I'm going to have dessert, 
but it's going to be uh, reasonable. And I might let myself do whatever I want on Saturdays. <laughs> like, so. <laughs> gotcha. That's your cheat day. Yeah, yeah. Saturday's your cheat day. Gotcha. What about you, Paul? What are you, what are you thinking? I'm, um, I'm too set in my ways. I'm never going to stop. <laughs> You're an collecting. old dog with old <laughs> exactly. tricks. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I'm, um, since I've got back into reading comics, it's been, you know, about a decade now that I've been back reading comics regularly, going to the shop every, every week and stuff. And like that excitement of just digging through yeah. the quarter bin, that excitement of going through back issues, like that's, that's so a part of the experience for me. So I'm never going to stop doing that. Um, I don't find myself buying trades very often. I still read everything in floppies, which presents its own problems that we've talked about. But in terms of like a backlog, I'm trying to dig burn through my digital backlog stuff. I think having a, a good tablet to read on made a big change because for a while I for didn't. Sure. So yeah. now, that, now that I have a, a, a decent sized tablet, I'm just burning through a lot of digital stuff. So that kind of helps. But uh, yeah, accumulating random weirdo back issues um, out of the out of the bins there, I'm never going to stop doing that. That's still the main main appeal going to the comic shop for me so at least i'll always have that if i do eventually reach capacity and run out of things to read i know i've got a bunch of weird comics from the 70s waiting for me do you ever do spring cleaning of your floppies i did um actually a couple months ago i actually sold a bunch of stuff to a local shop here you know um i went through everything i pulled out a bunch of stuff but again i ran to the issue where it's like i bought this i haven't read it in eight years but or I haven't reread it in eight years, but I might want to reread it at some point, you know? Yeah. That thing where, like, I did clear out a bunch of stuff. I took three short boxes down to the shop to sell, which is yeah. kind of a pretty sizable chunk, but I still have seven long boxes at home, you know? So it's like, sure, I, I slimmed the collection, but did I really? Like, I still have too many comics. Yeah, I think, so I need to yeah. clean out um, my my floppies, too, for the same, same space reason with apartment stuff. And yeah. um, I was looking at, there's an organization that you can donate by mail floppies to that are appropriate for children, which is obviously no. not, it's not even the bulk of my collection because they don't want teen books because what they use them for is uh, mentoring programs that are helping children learn how to read that are that are struggling or oh. don't have, oh, cool. like maybe they are um, have a family situation where they were never read to and their parents don't read, so they're not like excited about it. And um, are are behind for that reason versus like just academically are struggling with it. But for whatever reason, I thought that was a really cool program. And I'm like, I guess I could yeah. give up some of my Squirrel Girl for that. If some like it, the idea of some like child getting both joy and enrichment out of it makes it easier to part with and admit the fact that I will not reread those Squirrel Girl comics ever again. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yeah, that I mean that's uh yeah, I really like that idea. The the reason I accumulate comics is I really I really like them. I like the experience of reading comics. I like the experience of sharing comics with other people. Like I mm-hmm. love loaning comics out. So like that's a great way to do that. You you got your enjoyment out of the comics and now someone else is going to benefit from that. Yeah. You know what I mean that's it's a win-win. It's important yeah. for children to learn the importance of not dinging corners, of not, you know, like no <laughs> greasy fingers. These are important life lessons that like we're sure. giving exactly. to youth. So, like, is that Cheeto dust on your fingers? Get out. You're out of the program. mm -hmm. (laughs) I I will say that for a little bit at the beginning of this year, so I've I've done this two years in a row now. uh, I I think I might have talked about it on the show, but I was contemplating this idea of dropping all of my pulls. Have I told you guys about this? No, I had to do that. It it is dropping thing. Well, my thought was... I'm no longer going to buy any new comics until I've read all of my backlog. The dieter the, approach. Yeah, this <laughs> no, this is like extreme fasting. This is like <laughs> like doing that thing that like monks do out in the fucking mountains nerd, where nerd they version don't of eat, Biggest they Loser. They don't drink. They just don't do anything. <laughs> they just sit in one place and try to meditate. That's what I, my goal was. Um and I was like, oh, you know, I'm just not going to buy any sales. And I kind of talked about this in the zine. I don't know. We've been plugging the zine a lot this episode. I don't know. <laughs> but um, I mean, because we do have a new one coming out. We didn't announce it at the top of the show. I'm sorry. But uh, we do have another zine coming out today when this issue drops or this episode drops. But I will say that didn't work. I didn't actually do that. Um, but <laughs> I have limited the amount of sales spending that I've been doing. And instead, I have been like trying to. And I think I've done a pretty good job of reading at least two to three backlog items that I have like on my shelf, my physical shelf at home, which means that I've gotten through 
three quarters of my comics that I have on my shelf oh. at home, which is really nice. Um, like, and I should say, there's not a lot because a lot of it is stuff that I've already read, but. I've been accumulating books, especially like Emerald City last mm-hmm. year and C2E2 this year. I bought a ton of stuff. So I've been telling myself, well, if I buy it, I'm going to read it within like the month that I get it so that I make sure that it doesn't fall into that position. And I, I feel really good about it because those books are usually things that I'm not normally buying. Like I bought a bunch of stuff from first second. Like I read Bloom very recently and holy fuck, oh, you guys. Oh, was it good? That's on my to read list. drop whatever you're doing. Go read Bloom. It's amazing. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, and I, th- I mean, I, I could go on a whole rant about first second, but anyways, I think the big thing is like, as long as you're at least like trying to get some vegetables in with the meat by reading backlog <laughs> stuff, it kind of it all balances out, and I think on the whole it enriches your comic reading experience because you're getting a mix of new and old, and I think that that right. to me yeah. makes you a better comic reader because you're looking at what was and what currently is you can see differences in time like like the way that comics are written or portrayed and like you can if you're reading old x-men versus new x-men for someone like me it's like holy shit i can't believe the dark phoenix saga was that fucking weird um meanwhile i'm looking at like the x-men now and i'm like you know what i think this is actually pretty good shit despite me constantly complaining about it (laughs) so i i don't know i think that that's to me, that's the best way to kind of deal with that because I, I had like a really weird anxiety issue around like how many books I had. And I'm like, why am yeah. I buying so many comic books if I'm not reading them? Like, what is the point of all this? Why am I even reading comics? And this is me. This is a guy who runs a yeah. podcast about comic books. <laughs> uh, so I, I I don't want to get into that mental state. So my thought was like, I have to do this. I've got to at least try to get through some of it so that I can feel like I'm making progress because the backlist is only going to get bigger. But as I, if I'm consuming one or two books or three books a month, I at least feel like I'm making some headway in getting those books read and feeling like I actually did what I wanted to do, which is buy those comics and read them. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's my weird philosophical rant thing or just my mental state. So now you guys know what's going on in my head. But um, yeah, I think we've talked a lot about this. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to say let's wrap up here. We do have a zine coming out. I'm probably going to record something for the beginning of this episode. But we do have a zine that dropped today as as the release of this episode. We, we have it. You can go to ircbpodcast.com slash zine to get that for free in full color PDF. You can read it right now. But otherwise, you can follow the rest of us on the show. You can follow Kate at Kate Scotchless, RIP, I guess. I don't know if her Twitter's active no, it's anymore. No, uh, Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Find me on but You can follow reads. Paul. Yeah, find Kate on Goodreads. She's the whole whole bag of fun. Um, you can follow Paul at Oh Hi Polly. You can follow me at Mike Rappin. And you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast. And you can check out that brand new cover that we got that is gorgeous. We've got stickers and pins and t-shirts coming pretty soon. So get ready for that. You can also find us on the Goodreads group. Uh, we have weekly threads. And like this week, where we've been talking about uh, May's book of the month, Beautiful Darkness, which I believe is a translated comic, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was originally Sorry, French. Man, it's been finals, uh, finals period, and it's been yeah, a whole you. bucket. So I am jumping back in. I'm very excited. Actually, one of my th- things on my to-do list today is to go on there and talk about the books that I talked about already on the show today. So I have thoughts awesome. to post. But can't wait to get back in there this summer and spend a lot more time. I've really missed it. You can also hop on the website at ircbpodcast.com and find our pronunciation guide and merch there. Uh, you can rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends about the show. We really appreciate if you do that. I know every podcast asks you to rate and review on whatever podcast platform you use. It does help out. So if you haven't done it yet, please do that. Uh, we also have an email. You can email us at ircb at destroythesibe.org. If you have comments, questions, suggestions, tell us about your backlog that you've uh, been chipping away at. Be sure to subscribe on Patreon if you want to support the show that way. Um, that's at patreon.com slash ircbpodcast. We have exclusive audio and articles for everyone that uh, helps us uh, support us over there. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. Xander is a wizard. He also edits the show. This week I'm not going to go crazy with it. He's just a fun guy. He also edits the show. I want to say thank you to Paul and Kate. <laughs> for being on this episode thank you to the listeners thank you to everyone who supports us on patreon i hope you're enjoying the doom patrol series because paul and i are loving making that show yeah and until next time comics are good and so are you I have returned.
with seltzer water. 